Hello and welcome to Match Day FM. It's Morgan and it's deflected in out of absolutely nothing. Curzon and Ashton lead. Dixie to Hardy. Hardy in behind. Hardy past the goalkeeper. Hardy into the goal. 2-1 filed. Chance of Colin Day bubbling everywhere again. The other shot. And it's in. It's a recall as for Colin Day. It's been coming. Potter Gaff had to go through it. And Akron gets the first try of the game for Siddle. They've got it with Smith, they've got it with Smith, they've got a score with Smith, unbelievable. Great chance, they've won it, Ashton have won it. Hello and welcome to the Match Day FM podcast. In this episode, we're looking ahead to the Super League Grand Final of 2020. Safe to say it's going to be a bit different to usual with no fans at a different venue. But one thing is still the same, and that is that two of the best teams are in it in Wigan and St. Helens. No, they're no strangers to each other, even in the strangest of seasons. I'm joined by Rob Lee and Kieran Making. I'm Chris Stotts, and we might as well get straight into it, chaps, because we've got a lot to get through in a short amount of time. Um, first of all, guys, um, how much credit actually needs to go to not just Wigan and Saints, but all the Super League clubs um, from top to bottom, players, staff, as well as the governing bodies to just basically making sure that this season actually got finished. We'll start with you, Rob. Yeah. Um, yeah they, they, you know, ev- everybody needs some credit if you're going to get a, a sports up and running and in, like you said, the strangest of circumstances. Um, I know quite a lot of other rugby, rugby league, rugby union, amateur, you know, quite quite the way up actually he's not even got you know a sniffer playing a match uh, really uh, after lockdown and you know the second national lockdown has just put a pin in that and just gone no it's not really happening so for rugby league and the RFL to get you know the super league up and running going consistent matches albeit a little bit rocky towards the end and then two semi-finals and a grand final you know fair play to them they've given us entertainment value in the grand final is only about a month and a half later than it it normally is so you know fair play and yeah key is it's you know back end of the season like rob said got a bit dodgy at times with you know when you throw in the toronto situation and everything as well got got to give everybody a lot of credit haven't we for getting this far and getting it done only a couple of weeks late yeah, it's not as simple as just getting the sport, you know, backfired up and you, you put all the preparations in beforehand and the stuff, you know, going on while the, the season or the resumption of the season is, is happening. But it's the curveballs that get thrown at you during that period as well. You know, Chris, you mentioned one yourself there with, with the Toronto situation. We discussed that last time the three of us were, were together on the podcast and, you know, we're all, we, we all, Felt a little bit of sympathy, I think, with Toronto, even though, even though I said it, it was a bit of a, t- a pipe dream at the time. But felt a little bit of sympathy because the financial strain has been felt all over the globe, hasn't it? Whatever walk of life you're in. And yeah, just there's different challenges that come with it. Um, you know, like you said, the end of the season got a little bit rocky um, with, you know, a few more positive cases, games, struggling to get finished. But I will say... Credit to the RFL for just saying, you know what, we're going to curtail the season and find a reasonable way of finishing it. And here we are. We finally got a grand final, not as we know it, in a different location. There'll be nobody there, but, you know, fair play. Uh, some sport is better than no sport. And I just have to say quickly, with a set down, we're, we're coming to the end of it. Um, 
you know, it makes such a difference having that sport on, something to to look forward to and watch, which, you know, we didn't have during the first national lockdown. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we should say as well, we we said just before we actually started recording this, a big credit has to go to clubs such as the Catalan Dragons who funded it themselves to effectively play as many games as they physically could. And that just shows that, you know, there has been a lot of question marks over recent years about Catalan's involvement. But I suppose that showed that they are actually very committed to um, being in the competition, doesn't it? Shows you've got money, uh, if I'm honest. But yeah, it, it shows the committee. I mean, they joined in 2006, uh, back when there was no promotion or relegation. First game against Wigan, baptism of fire. Uh, I think the only, I think Stephen Wilde scored a brace for Wigan that game. I'm showing my age there. Um, but yeah, they've always been committed to it. And you're thinking in 14 years that they've joined, they've not left the top tier of rugby league, even in times when you'd, you're thinking they've got a, a torrid team. They've somehow scraped through and you, you, you've got to remember going down to the south of France, whilst it's lovely and it's beautiful and it's sunny, it can be an absolute fortress to go down there and, and get a result. So, yeah, this year to, to fund it all themselves, pretty much themselves, and, and get as many games going, fair play to me. It shows the commitment. And I think the number of finals and semi-finals that are starting to appear in now, that that long and hard road that they've paved for themselves from 2006 to now is starting to pay off, maybe. Maybe the next few years is it's either going to be make or break the next few years because they could have spent too much money this year trying to play games and they knacker themselves for the next five years. I don't know. I don't know what the, the next five years strategy is for them to speak corporately. But yeah, they're committed. Good lads and lasses. Yeah, very much so. And uh, like Key mentioned, nobody's going to be at the final this year between Wigan and Saints, which is a massive, massive shame, um, considering it is a, a derby in a final, which we always like to see. Um, we'll come to you, Key, to get your thoughts on the game being played at the KCOM. The obvious question is, um, it's a bit of a trek for two teams next to each other when nobody's going to be there anyway. They may as well have just played it at Puddy Cowley or something. Play at least sports village if they were well, hey, they could play at least sports village. I can watch it from my house through gapping, gapping terraces. Get out, get out scaffolding. Um, I'll pay no, twenty quid. You can come watch it back of our house. Can't get stand in our garden. No, it's a it's a good point. I mean, in hindsight, it's a wonderful thing because obviously you've got two teams who are right next to each other, and you're going, "What's the point of going all the way to Hull?" So it's you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Listen, it's a good stadium. I think it's a brilliant stadium. Probably one of the best the league has got got to offer. Um, it's not quite Old Trafford, you know, the Old Trafford that we've come to love and know that, you know, it's synonymous with the grand final and it's packed to the rafters, not just with the two sets of fans of the, the, the final teams. You know, you have fans from all Super League clubs. It's a bit like a scaled down Magic Weekend, if you like. Um, but yeah, you, you know, it reminds me a little bit, obviously, of being a Wigan Athletic fan for me since when we, uh, we played Manchester City in the FA Cup final. I'm not complaining because we won like, but um, two Northwest teams and they made kickoff bloody quarter past five on a Saturday afternoon and every, everyone who got the train couldn't get the train home so you know beats me that one you've got these big execs on massive wages can't even organise a, a kickoff time um, yeah a bit, bit of a weird one but listen in the grand scheme of things it, it's a great venue probably the best that they could pick from maybe in given the circumstances so 
let's all just kick back and, and relax. We don't have to travel. We can sit from the comfort of our sofas in the warm. Well, the people two... traveling, I've got a coach, so, you know, leave yeah, them alone. Yeah, your luxury coach. Well, you know, <laughs> those two sets of teams not lumps out of each other, so... I mean, they could just get one coach. He's coming from the same place, really, isn't it? Three five two goes from St. Helens through Wigan, so just get them all on that and carry on going. I mean, like I'm, to... cutting, I'm cutting I'd like to see here. that, would you? Them two well, on sorry, the same they have a Saints player on the side of it, on the side of Arena. <laughs> they might as well just carry on. But it could it not be in whole because... No, I'm not, I'm not saying this in a bad way, but it, it's because it's cheaper than renting out 80,000 seats at Old Trafford to fill it with nobody. That's that's an yeah, expensive well, gig, that, if you don't put anybody in it. Yeah, I believe it was ultimately because of the change of date, Old Trafford just wasn't available um, for that time, and they'd start to pick one. I think the issue potentially would have been if Hull would have got there, they'd have got home advantage. So <laughs> luckily, we're going to probably done the RFL a favour, haven't they, Rob? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but we're going to have done a massive favour there. Either that or Hull have thrown it and gone, we can't, national lockdown, we can't have people partying if we win. <laughs> Maybe they've done a so. service to country. <laughs> give them the shit, give it up, give them the trophy. <laughs> and uh, obviously, we, we've mentioned East Wigan Saints, it's the uh, league leaders against a team that finished second as well. So um, after everything, even if it has been a trun- truncated season, the top two again as 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 you want, really, uh, as it was last year. In fact, um, so Kate, do you think it's probably the uh, the appropriate final given everything we've seen this year? Do you think they are the two best teams? One hundred percent, without a doubt, they are not not just because of the the table, you know, standings. Not just because of the first and second, they are the two best teams in the league. Um, you know, it's everything you want for a final, isn't it? You know, as well, as well Derby. Um, you know, you're going to get blood and thunder for 80 minutes. Listen, the, 50 the two miles be- away from where anybody lives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, the, they're the two best teams for, for a reason. I'll probably maybe speak about this a bit more in depth, but I think they've got the two best packs. Um, the forwards are not only huge and physical and aggressive, but also quick and very good with the ball. But then the bat lines are... Uh, fantastic, you know, they've got a lot of skill and pace in those bat lines, both of them. I think Wigan's bat line just edges Saints. Um, but that that's the beauty of rugby league. When you get two teams who are so evenly matched, it just you mix all that up in a pot. You know, you can't wait to see what, what it brings out. Um, it's just a shame the fans won't be there, to be honest. But yeah, I, I fully agree with you. The two best teams going toe-to-toe, um, you know, leave it all out there on the pitch, may the best team win. Would you echo that then, Rob? Yeah, I've I always look at it, me, if if somebody's not from this planet, which is quite a few people who live on this planet, um, look at it and go, like when we've had like sixth against fifth in grand final, and it's like, hang on a minute, how are those two teams in the grand final? If you look at it and go, yeah, first and second, you go, makes sense. We've just had a semi final the week before it just to tire everybody out. But yeah, I, I agree. First and second makes sense, and it's got. It's going to be it, like 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 he said. It's going to be blood and thunder. It's going to be from from second one. It's going to be massive collisions. It's going to be trying everything just to get that tiny percentage margin win of your opposite number over the opposite team. Absolutely, it's certainly going to be a cracker, and we might as well hear from the two men who are looking to guide their sides to. Super League glory on Friday night. 
Adrian Lamb and Christian Wolf. I managed to blag my way into the Zoom press conference earlier this week and I started by asking them, were getting their clubs to the finals this season in all seasons ranks in their careers to date? I've only been head coach for two years, so in regards to the coaching, this would be the highlight, um, without a doubt. Uh, you know, I've enjoyed the, the the two years here so far, and uh, in a difficult season, uh, the, there has been plenty of positives in it. And you know, I, I think a win on Friday night would be the, the absolute highlight. Yeah, look, in terms of um, you know actual coaching, uh, this would obviously be the highlight as well. And uh, the other highlight, I suppose, with the international game was Tonga being able to beat Australia at the end of last year, and yeah, they're, they're extremely different and, and very hard to compare there. That was something I'm extremely proud to be uh, able to be a part of and, and extremely proud of that group. And, um, you know, when you're actually coaching week to week and, and starting in November and, and, and this year finishing in November again, it's a whole different challenge and a, a whole different type of coaching. So uh, from that sort of things, would, would be uh, would be up there with the other achievement, that's for sure. Do you think this game this final will go down as you know be remembered in history because of the context so do you think it is going to be one that will be remembered regardless of um, what actually happens on the pitch yeah I, I can't see it being any any different you know I, I think um the super league it's it's a it's a it's a gold medal for super league to the to the um big clubs in super league playing against each other in a grand final uh, and it's been a difficult year and um you know i, I think you know, as uh, Christian said before, we've been, you know, with the group now for over 12 months preparing for this moment. So it's, it's been a long time coming. You know, I think the game will be as good a game as as we've seen all season. You know, we played three weeks ago and I thought it was probably the best game in both the NRL and, and in Super League over the last 12 months is in the intensity of it and and ball in play. So, you know, I can't see it being any different and, and a highlight of the season. It's a season that's going to be remembered for so many things and, and mostly to do with COVID and the, dis- the disruption that's come with that. But um, you know, I, I think on the back of that, it'll be one of the, uh, one of the more remembered ones um, you know, down the track at some stage, that's for sure. Now, if you're enjoying this, then why not check out our blog? You can find it on our website. Just search for Matchday FM. So, guys, we touched on, uh, you know, um, the fact that it's first against second, it's two best teams. But, obviously, it's so difficult to gauge so much about this season, given how strange it's been and how difficult. So, who do you think, going into this, then, is the better team, um, you know, in terms of individuals or a collective? Kevin, you, you sort of touched on it briefly. So, do you want to just delve into it a little bit more and are there any sort of standouts in either side um, that you think you know are the man of the match in waiting sort of, sort of thing yeah I mean there's lots of areas you know good teams have good players in, in the key areas don't they um, I think they're so evenly matched um, in, in, in the forward line in the pack as I mentioned you know you've got James Robey Still doing it at nine for St. Helens. I don't know why. We'll come on to that later. Um, oh, but you're going to say still doing it at 90 then? I thought the exact same thing. <laughs> he may as well, he may as well be 90. That, <laughs> um, but, you know, the, the even bringing James Graham back, I know he's getting on a bit, but he, he's looked great. But Alex Walmsley, I think Wigan have got to keep him quiet. 
I watched him against Catalan. He was drawing in five players for a tackle. Like, you know you're in trouble when you, you've prop forwards attracting five players. Um, you know, so pack, pack, the battle of packs is going to be huge. Um, back line, though, there's, there's creativity in abundance. Listen, I like Lachlan Coop, brilliant support player from the fullback position, scoring tries, you know, attacking the line late, coming into those plays late. But Bevan French is the potentially a match winner in every single game that he plays, you know, put him in at full, putting him at fullback, sorry, has been excellent. Um, and that's allowed, you know, the likes of Hardacre to go into centre. I think um, it's probably the best really, start of really Hardacre, impressed. actually. Yeah, oh, 100%. I was really keen to mention that as well. Um, just moving Zach he Hardacre into that centre. position. He started as he a did. I remember seeing him at Featherstone against Lee way back and he tore McNanny in a new one. Um, I mean, McNanny is not exactly famous for his defensive qualities, but... And um, it it he's always been that player who's got that bit of wow factor. Yeah, he has. Um, listen, he's had his troubles. Don't get me wrong, but we all make mistakes. We all have controversies and whatnot. He's a real talented player. You know, try scorer, dangerous. Um, whether he's at fullback on the wing in centre, and obviously kicks goals as well, which is this could be crucial. You know, in such a tight game. So yeah, I just think Wigan have found a formula. Really, they've got that. Bit of extra pizzazz in the in the back line, if you like. Listen, Saints got quality in their back line. Like I said, Lachlan Coote, Regan Grace is rapid on the wing. I just think Wigan edged that. And the, the derby they played a few weeks ago when Wigan won, um, I think what happened there was Saints couldn't um, build up that head of steam by bullying the opposition pack like they usually do. I think Wigan's pack matched that. And then the quality off the back of the, the work from the big lads. Um, just shone through for Wigan. So if you know if Wigan can uh, match up with the likes of Alex Wormsley and James Graham, which they've more than got the potential to do, they keep Roby quiet and don't let him have them quick plays. Then I'm I'm sure the likes of French, um, Hardacre, all those guys we mentioned will uh, will be the match winners for Wigan. And Rob, do you want to develop on that as well? Who who do you see being the the key men and the key battles in many ways. I see. I, I was thinking about this as, as Key was rhyming off, rhyming off some names, Roby, Graham, Wormsley, uh, you know, Lachlan Coote um, for, for St. Helens. It, I'm just trying to think about the experience that they've all got in the, the, the come on, they've all got experience in big, big games. So let's take that out of the, the equation, but the grand final alone. And I'm trying to think, who's got which team just edges it on experience because they've both got somebody in their halves who's been there, done it, you know. You've got Theo Farge for St. Helens, who's, you know, as we know, electric work. Johnny Lomax, if he's available, electric work. But then in Wigan, you've got Tommy Lulawai, who's been around the block about 900 times, probably the same amount of time as James Robin. And, um Jackson Hastings is no stranger now to, to finals. He, he's, he's been in a couple... Back-to-back uh, finals for him. Ex- exactly that. So, you know, it shows he's got quality. And then out on the wings, have you know, you've got you, Regan Grace on one side, but then he's up against somebody who's potentially, you know, with Bibby, he's up against in his first grand final. It's, but then on the other side, you've got Burgess against Makinson. Well, you know, they cancel each other out. But then on Bibby's side, you've got Hardacre, who's played in about 90 grand finals just with Leeds alone so it's it's trying to pick where the battles are going to be won and lost and the, the, this uh, seems strange saying this but the, probably the the place within just talking about grand finals the place where both teams are the weakest is probably fullback 
because neither have played in a Super League Grand Final. So that that's where I'd be looking going, is one of them going to crumble under pressure? But then you, look, you look at both of them and no. Bevan French probably just edged it for me because I, I will go as far as saying this. I think he's galactic with how good he is. He's unbelievable. But yeah, I, 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 I couldn't pick on paper which, which side's got the edge. Yeah, across the park is very equal, isn't it? And as well, when you look in the in the coaching department as well, Adrian Lamb, second season, um, obviously got to semi-final last year, but had that massive disappointment of losing to Salford. Kieran, just how well has he done to galvanise his squad again, go again and get to the final and, and sort of get over the hoodoo of last time out? I don't think you can underestimate how well he's done. Seriously, I'm not just saying that. I think... You know, it was a real big disappointment, wasn't it, last year losing to Salford in that in that semi final. And I think he would have he would have learned a lot as a coach. Um, his team would have learned a lot. And listen, you know, he went out there pretty much bought Salford's best player, Jackson Hastings, and brought him in. No, but jokes aside, he, he went out there and he, he's uh, brought quality in. Um, and I think they've got a good, it's a cliche, but a good blend of an experience now within that squad. And like I said, he just seems to have found this formula, found a, a team got players playing in certain positions that just works for him. you got to remember as well, Chris, he wasn't even meant to do more than a year. You know, Sean Edwards was meant to come in and he's had to deal with all that fiasco as well. Um, so, absolutely credit to him. Um, you know, he's a legend at the club. Um, so, to win legally the Shield, he'd be pleased with. But if he wins a grand fan, I think that will just be the icing on the cake for him, really. Um, particularly to do against St. Owens. But yeah, I just I like the way he carries himself as well. I think he's cool, calm and collected. He never seems to you know, get ruffled in the media. You'll know better than me, Chris, but I think he's still got that ruthless edge about him on, on the training pitch, which is what you need. So, yeah, you cannot underestimate the job that he's done for me. Yeah, that, like I said, I, I've been fortunate enough to speak to him quite a few times over the last two seasons. And yeah, really approachable guy, not, knows the game inside out. And, it, you know, he'll pull no punches when he has to, but, um, you know, a very smart operator in the press and and Rob your perspective on on Adrian Lamb as, as a Wigan coach have you been impressed um in particular this season with how he's got his side playing I mean let, let's address the fact that who Adrian Lamb followed and how he followed uh he followed Sean Wayne very very tough uh, person to follow, but we have to remember he was also supposed to be a stopgap between Sean Wayne finishing and Sean Edwards starting. Now Sean Edwards has turned uh, backtracked on his, his decision to join Wigan, which I'm not really too bothered about if I'm honest. People, you, you know, a coach make a, a decision like anybody can make a decision with a job. If there's a better paying job or there's a better opportunity elsewhere, you take that better opportunity. So I'm not too too fussed that he didn't come back to Wigan. Um, so, yeah, I think that was probably always on his mind last year, that he could just be in replaced. So he's doing the best that he can. And now it's kind of the fact that he's gone permanent. It's like, right, we're doing it my way or no way. And this is how we're doing it. And his formula is very, very good. I mean, I've always said it, you know, with, with uh, players that become coaches, especially those that have played very top end, it, it always tends to be those that are your middle of the park thinkers, you you know, the ones that are, are always tinkering with the game, game management. 
like during the 80 minutes that they sometimes make the best coaches because they can think on the feet and they're absolutely brutal with the decisions and uh, the decisions that they make when the final they work and his opposite number christian wolf um i'll throw it straight back to you rob um first season in in super league um obviously again we'll keep saying it's very different super league season to usual but He's adapted really well, got excited to a grand final. Can't ask much more for that other than to go and win it. Yeah, I think we said this in our podcast when we came back as well. Before the lock, first lockdown, he looked a little bit rocky. And, he, he, you know, did St. Helens have come off the back of that grand final win last year um, and then uh, gone straight into the season where a little bit, they looked unsettled, they didn't look comfortable at the start. New coach, new playing style, probably wasn't quite gelling. They've had that time away to rest. Then they've come back to the paddock and really hit it and gone, actually, this is this is his style. And yeah, he's turned it around massively. So, you know, credit to him to get to a grand final in your first season. Yeah, let's and, take that. And Key obviously he had to um, come in after Justin Holbrook had just won the trophy as well. Um, so it's always tough to take over that. Obviously, Wolf had come in, um, you know, he's, great reputation from what he'd done with Tonga, if, if nothing more. So again, you, you, like Rob said, we, we said in our previous podcast that it was ever so slightly starting to, to come together before lockdown. Lockdown helped him in many ways and the full steam ahead since then. Um, like hitting the nail on the head, or really, Chris, you know, following, uh, a championship winning team is never easy. You know, you, you're coming into a club full of expectation and you want to get across your ideas and it takes time. These, these things take time, you know, and like Rob said, he was struggling a little bit. Maybe lockdown came for him at the right time. Who knows? We'll never know, but he, you just got to give him credit for what he has done, you know, post lockdown. And uh, they've played some outstanding rugby, probably the best rugby in, in the league. If it wasn't for, <laughs> for Wigan, you know, it reminds me a little bit, listen, it's, I don't want to make comparisons to football, whatever, but you remember a couple of seasons ago when Liverpool and Man City pushed each other all the way and the quality of both sides just brought the best out in each other. I suppose that's what happens when we're going to say is the two best teams in the league playing a really attractive brand of rugby because of the two coaches and because of the massive rivals. So, listen, yeah, he's got to a grand final. Who knows? He could, you know, after, after a slow start, he could end up returning the Super League in his first season. And then you, we'll be sat, we could be sat here next week, Chris, and be going, you know what, we're giving Adrian Lamb loads of praise, but. Third play, tip, tip you out to Christian Wolf. So, yeah, he, he's had a really good season as well for me. And he'll be disappointed they lost that derby to lose the league leader's shield to Wigan effectively. And then, obviously, Wigan went on to win it. But, ultimately, it's about the big one, isn't it? The, the grand final. I'm going to throw in a controversial decision here. The Saints coach doesn't, for me, shouldn't want to win this grand final because if he does it's going to be a lot harder to keep the Saints fans on his side next year if he wins. I know that sounds kind of counterproductive as, as a coach because you want to win everything. But if you come in and bang, you're winning straight away. You set yourself up that you've just got to keep winning. And as soon as you start faltering, you, you're struggling. I mean, if he gets to the grand final this year and loses... Saints fans could probably could have gone, yeah, but he's, he's a new coach. No, I'd say we've had a lockdown. It's a bit all up in the air, he needs time to settle in, he needs to get his plays in and stuff like that. But if he wins, he goes, right, we can do it with this team. Then he starts buying plays in and he's like, oh, why is he doing that? And then he doesn't make he doesn't make the grand final election. It's like, oh, that's, 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 we weren't expecting that. And then the year after, if he doesn't make the playoffs, it's like, right, we'll get rid of him. 
Do you know what? You've actually you've actually got a point. Listen, I, I don't I, I wouldn't necessarily agree with the fact he wouldn't want to win it, but yeah. I, you have got a, you have got a point with, and I think I think about Steve Price with Warrington, and he got to that grand final. You remember, ended up losing, and since then, dropped off the edge of a cliff. You'd argue, wouldn't you? Really? So you have got pressure, you make a very good. It does. You, it's, a, it's a very good, very good point, actually. So, so, so maybe I'm not, I, I, maybe I'm wording it wrong. It's it, the coach, obviously, he does want to win the grand final. Yeah, yeah, Anybody yeah, wants yeah. to win. That's not what I'm saying. He's not just going to purposely throw it. God, that'd be terrible for the sport if he did that. <laughs> um, but what I think from a fan's perspective is they've just got to be a little bit careful with their mindset going into it. If, if he does win, next year could be a different story. Because everybody's got a bit more time, um, and he he might make he might his his playing style might not suit Super League. It could be that transition where Saints have still got their old playing style in the back of the mind, which they revert to if things go wrong and it works. And then next year, when that's gone from the back of the mind, and yeah, do you get what I mean? It's the that's the start no, that's putting fair. pressure. Mm-hmm. It's a fair assessment. And like I said, the lockdown, we we can sit here and say, oh, it's helped him. He's got his ideas across, but. Like Rob said, is it just a case of them reverting to type a little bit? And you don't know. It's a fair point. It's a fair point. Either way, they've got there and they're well in with a shout of winning it as well. So obviously we've mentioned it and it's a shame that we're having to keep on mentioning it, but no fans are going to be at the KCOM um, for the final. But I suppose even if it is a game that you're not going to lack motivation to win, it's a derby, it's a final, there's a trophy on the line. But as I heard from the two coaches and the two captains, Sean O'Loughlin and James Roby, everybody is looking to win it for the fans watching on at home. For the Wigan club, you know, it's it's massive, obviously. And, and again, being our arch rivals, it's our fans haven't been able to get to any of the games this season. So how we get to, to, to parade that around, we'll, we'll work that out, I guess, if we get that opportunity to do that. But, uh, you know, I think... You know that everyone will be watching on TV, and and the best reward for the, for your fans or our fans would be a, a great performance and a win. So we'll focus on getting that right first, and then you know that that next part will take care of itself. And look, it, one thing that's probably been forgotten a little bit is that you know the clubs have all done it really difficult through this period as well. And one thing that's held the clubs together is the fact that fans have stuck by the clubs and supported us through that. And um, yeah, this is a way, I suppose, being able to be in a grand final is certainly a way that we can say thank you and um, being able to win a grand final would make it an even better thank you. And, and both clubs, we wanted to do that. And both clubs have been terrifically supported, that's for sure, um, by their fans. So uh, there'll be no lack of desire there on either front. And I'm not sure how we, how we will be able to celebrate um, or commiserate either way, but um, I'm sure we can figure something out. It becomes a little bit, even, I think, even more important the fact that they're not there, they're not getting the chance to just, just be a part of the atmosphere, being part of enjoying the game. Uh, just, just obviously, Wigan Saints games, uh, grand finals are always supported massively well. So it's there's a lot of people who are going to be upset they can't get there. A lot of people go grand finals, whether it's their clubs or there or not. So there's, there's a lot of people, not just Wigan Saints fans, who aren't getting an opportunity to to experience it this year. So I think you almost you're carrying a bit more, a bit more pressure on you there to, to go out there and, and make it a special occasion for them to watch your TV. And I think there's there's a massive amount of um, people want 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 to see the game, want to want to see a, a great game. And yeah, we'll be we'll be trying to trying to do our best to to, to entertain. I think on the whole, it's 
it's been a, a pretty rubbish year for a lot of people, hasn't it? Um, and a lot of people have, you know, suffered some sort of hardship. The whole town will definitely be watching Saints v Wigan, as will you know all the all the spectators in Wigan. And I think you know if we can get the results, it will give them a huge boost, won't it? Um, you know, because they've they've obviously been missing that. They've been missing the fix of of live sport. Um, and also, it'd be a bit of a thank you from our end as well, because I know, for example, at the club, um, you know, the, the people who bought season tickets in advance, uh, I know a number of them have, you know, kind of refunded or donated, if you like, uh, the season ticket money to the club to, you know, to help out financially. And I'm sure they've done similar things at, at other clubs. And, um, you know, I just think it'd be, you know, a really great way we could, you know, say thank you and, and give everyone a bit of a boost. You're listening to Matchday FM. Did look at one stage, we'd maybe have four teams battling it out for uh, for Champions League place on the final day. Obviously, Chester, sorry, yeah, Chelsea. Chester? <laughs> I know. I know. Right, it's easy, baby. Uh, participation yeah. in, this, in the Premier League. <laughs> Chelsea, <laughs> Leicester, oh. Manchester United. Start again. That's yeah. going in a sting, I don't care. <laughs> Banter, debate, and the odd good point too, right here on Matchday FM. So I heard from Sean O'Loughlin there, it's his last game. Um, it's going to be the same for James Graham as well. Um, two stalwarts of the game here in, in Super League. Uh, obviously, James Graham had a wonderful spell in the NRL. He's widely gra- regarded as one of the best English exports over there alongside the likes of Sam Burgess. So, obviously, it's a real shame to see th- these two great players hang up the boots, isn't it, Karen? Yeah, it is. Uh, two names that, if you hear Super League, they are two names you would think of immediately, especially for me, to be honest with you. Um, James Graham... Uh, firstly, I can understand why he's hanging up the boots because he, he went and he gave it his all in NRL and competed as well. And he went and competed and had, and had his own way. But no doubt that's going to have taken, taken his toll on him. Sean O'Loughlin, again, I can understand why he's calling it a day. He is probably not had the best. The injuries have probably got the uh, the better of him, sorry, um, in in over the last few years especially. But two quality players. Listen, Graham physical and aggressive and a really good ball handling prop, probably one of the sort of trailblazers for that sort of mould of players in, in well, over the last decade, I'd say maybe. And then O'Loughlin, again, he's not a prop forward, but, you know, for a loose forward, in terms of passing and his skill level was phenomenal. Range of passing was unreal and, and just never forget watching him just get get a ball and you just think, where's he going to go with this? And he just loop it over four people, so winger and the winger just rolling. Um, two quality forwards and two stalwarts of the game. So yeah, I'm really sad the call on it today, but I can 100% understand why, because when you get to that age and played that many games, I bet you can't wait to just sit on the couch and put your feet up. Absolutely. And I know before we came on air, um, Rob, you said that James Gray in, partic- in particular is one of those players, if he plays for you, you love him. If he plays for the opposition, you hate him. Um, I'd imagine the same, you know, a Saints fan would probably say, say the same about Sean O'Loughlin, wouldn't they? The, there are two players who you would love to have them in your team. 
but I'd imagine yeah. they absolutely rip you apart when they're on <laughs> on the best playing for the other team. Yeah, it's just I did say that about James Graham. You watch him and how he plays, and he's at that nine out of ten, ten out of ten every week, and he's so frustrating when he's against you. It's like just somebody bend him, somebody take him off the pitch, just get rid of him because he's doing me heading. Uh, but the same goes for Sean Watkin as well, because on his day, it's, you know, both of them are incredible players. I mean, James Graham, when he played for Bulldogs, uh, it was Bulldogs down under when he played for. Yeah, and he had a spell at uh, the Illawalla Dragons as well. Yes, of course, yeah. Uh, but when he played for Bulldogs, him and Sam Burgess came up against each other in that in that NRL final. I don't need to kind of explain what year it was. Do you know, know it uh, as that? That one and the first collision that they had, which fractured Sam Burgess's cheekbone. Christ alive! That's that's it. That says enough that both of them could play on. Let you know, you know, one of them should have at least gone off. If that had been any other level, one of them would have gone off. Uh, but I want to talk about Sean Auckland a bit, if I'm honest, because you know, being 26, nearly 27 years old, this is going to be an unbelievable statistic for you. In my lifetime, Wigan Warriors have had two or three loose forwards that have worn the number 13 jersey. Uh, so I think it went Phil Clark, Andy Farrell, and then Sean Auckland. That's it. You know, I could count loads of players that have come and gone in each position. You know, fullback, you know, people think about Chris Radlinski and Sam Tompkins, but you've got Matty Bowen, Zach Hardacre, Ben French, um, you know, the, 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 uh, Richie Mavers is another one. You've got loads that, that follow that. So to play as many games and he's consistently, you know, 2000, I think he made his debut, Sean O'Loughlin. Yeah. 2002, I'd, something like that. Adrian Lamb actually brought it up in his press conference, played when Sean O'Loughlin made his debut, which says everything as well. <laughs> it does, it does. And he's made 450 appearances so far, so that's 451, including the grand final. And I'm just looking here, if he'd have played another three games, it'd have beaten Sean Edwards' record. With 453, and then other than that, there's only five other Wigan players in history that have, have, uh, have played more than him. And, and you look at the names, Billy Boston, Eric Ashton, Ernie Ashcroft, my great-granddad, Ken G, and Jim Sullivan as well, who played nearly a million games for Wigan. Um, you know, that's that's incredible. To play so long in the day and age that he has done, the physicality that it is today, that's that's a testament in itself. Um Incredible player, and like he said on his day, looping passes, how strong he used to run. Incredible. I mean, I just remember a good Friday game against St. Helens at Langtree Park, and um, a Lachlan saw our breaks through the middle of the middle of the park, middle of the field, and you're looking at it going, he's got no options, and then suddenly he finds Dan Sargison on wing, who goes in untouched. You're like, how's he, how's he found him from there? Where did he come from? to be an option for a Lachlan. And I was a Lachlan founding from there at full tilt. So both incredible players and both deserve a good send-off. But for me, I'd love to see a Lachlan get the final final winners a send-off. And one other player, a, we, we joked before, uh, playing forever, James Roby. A uh, quick word on him. He's Is he, arguably, another one, he's got to be right up there with the very best to ever play the game, isn't he, Kieran? Just a quick word on on the mercurial James Roby. Yeah, um, I'll try and be as quick as possible. I just think his quality chance for him, we all know he's a great player, but he plays in such a key position. You know, hooker nine is is a massive position. Um, To 
there's a couple of things really is fitness to keep himself in, in that shape and that condition to, to play over a prolonged period of time is, is magnificent. And, and, you know, anyone who who's played for that long deserves a similar credit, but I think it's just the way he's analyzed the game and he's adapted his game to move on with how the modern game has developed. It, does, does that make sense? You know, hooker's no longer about just picking it up off a big lad and throwing it to your creative players. You've got to be a creative player, whether that's um, taking a quick scoot or starting an attack, you know, and there's all sorts of different things. And, there's different types of hookers as well. You know, some people we've seen Wigan convert Sam Powell into into a nine just so they have that extra creative creative player in there. So um yeah, he's almost like a bit of a dying breed, but at the same time, he's like he's a bit of a hybrid. If you know what I mean, he's like a a nice mix of the old guard, and he's picked up some new tricks as well. You know, old dogs can can learn new tricks. Oh no, jokes aside, listen, he's a fantastic player, and uh, I think he's got a few more years in him yet, Chris, as well. To be honest with you, and I'm glad he bicked his ear because it was. He was struggling a little bit for <laughs> for a while, to be honest. And Rob, how highly do you rate him? Very quickly. Uh, very, very quickly. Uh, one of, if not the best hooker of the Super League era, hands down. Can't nobody really crop jumps to mind who's been better than him. Uh, probably one of the best to, to grace the game, and that's coming from the wrong side of the hill. Um, so yeah. Says everything uh, that really does it. One, one of them players from before, if he was in your team, you, you'd love him. Um, but it's one of them, if he's in the opposite team, I don't get angry when he does something good because it's just like, well, he's going to do it at some point. Just let it happen. And, you know, that first try from, from St. Helens in the semi final against Callan came from James Roby. That's that's enough, really. One of the best, if not the best, to play. He makes, he makes my Super League 13 of all time easy. Yeah, absolutely. The biggest question that revolves around James Roby isn't uh, how long he's going to play for. It's probably more the fact that how's he only won one man of steel. But finally then, let's get some very quick score predictions and a prediction as well of who's going to win the Harry Sutherland Man of the Match award as well, because that's one of the big things of the grand final. I'm going to come to you first, Rob. Uh, it's 24-20. No, it's 24-16 to Wigan and uh, Bevan French. It, no, Liam Farrell is, is uh, Harry Sutherland winner. Okay. Uh, 24-12 to Wigan um, and Bevan French is going to be the the winner. Yeah, Bevan French. I can just what see him having you, a real Chris? impact. Of course, I'm going to go Saints. <laughs> we're gonna no. go. We're gonna oh. go. Golden point, thirteen twelve to Saints with James Graham getting the Harry Sutherland. Can't have a clean sweep of of Wigan, especially being a Lather. Sean O'Loughlin dislikes this. I mean, <laughs> Sean O'Loughlin or James Graham to get uh, Harry Sutherland is probably very short odds, but that's basically it. We hope it's going to be a great final. We hope you've enjoyed listening to myself, Chris Stott, Rob Lee and Kieran making, having a look ahead to it. It's been a fabulous season, even in difficult circumstances. Let's hope it's a final to match. Who's going to win? Will it be Wigan or Saints? We've had our view. Let us know what you think. But from the team at the Matchday FM podcast, that's it for now. Enjoy the game and goodbye. <laughs>